Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This season of Strong Opinions Loosely Held is brought to you by Lean Cuisine. I've got a lot of opinions, and here's one. Sesame is everything, especially the sesame chicken from Lean Cuisine's Marketplace line, which is made with the kind of ingredients that I like to keep in my own kitchen. Natural chicken, no artificial colors, flavors, or preservatives. Visit leancuisine.com backslash refinery29 for a coupon code. And feed your phenomenal with Lean Cuisine. From Refinery29, this is Strong Opinions Loosely Held. I'm Elisa Kreisinger. What do you do when your pop culture doesn't match your politics? When you're at the gym and the only thing getting you through your workout is this. What about when this is your favorite late-night drunken jam? If you're appalled by some of your music choices, don't be. Even Roxanne Gay is mortified by some of her choices. When I drive to work, I listen to thuggish rap at a very loud volume. Even though the lyrics are degrading to women, these lyrics offend me to my core. The classic yin-yang twin song, Salt Shaker, it is amazing. Make it work with your wet t-shirt. Bitch, you gotta shake it till your camel starts to hurt. I am utterly mortified by my music choices. Misogyny in pop music and popular culture is pervasive. It's almost impossible to escape. We're always drawn to problematic art because we live in a problematic history. I'm Sadie Doyle. I'm a writer. My book is called Trainwreck, The Women We Love to Hate, Mock, and Fear, and Why. And I also write pretty regularly for Elle.com. I live in a culture that is full of problems. And what I buy is not me. Even what I like, that's not me. Anyone who wants to say that they can never listen to that song because it just grosses them out or offends them so much, that's fine. I walked out of Kill Bill in the theater because I couldn't stand the rape jokes, and everybody tells me it's a great movie. Go for it. Hate what you hate. That's part of your life. It's up to me to develop the critical awareness to recognize when a song is terrible. It is up to me not to write things myself or tell jokes myself that are offensive in that way. I need to know what I'm consuming and be aware of it. But art speaks to us in ways that aren't entirely rational. And there might just be a great sounding song that once you tune into it, you realize that there's a reason you took all those women's studies classes, because now you know exactly why your friend can't stand it and needs you to turn it off whenever it comes on. 
are there songs? Are there bands? Are there apps that you love and use but are kind of ashamed of because of the politics behind them? I have like a very long standing and complicated relationship with Kanye. What was it? Asian pussy with sweet and sour sauce. I think that was a moment where I was just like, okay, I've, I've signed up for quite a ride with Kanye. If it just sounds great, which so much of Yeezus just sounds great, I might still listen to it. I have to acknowledge that that exists whether I listen to it or not. I'm, I'm very aware of every objection, both serious and unserious, you could have to Kanye West, but I sort of am drawn to him as a figure of public vulnerability, as a figure of very public male vulnerability. Kanye is in touch with his feelings in a way that men are sort of not culturally encouraged to be. Or, you know, just accept that there are things about Kanye that are really interesting to me in terms of like what it says about masculinity. I'm sort of instinctively drawn to people who get beat up on a lot and people beat up on Kanye a lot for being arrogant, full of himself or overly ambitious in a way that I think says a lot about what we expect of of a black man and a black male artist in society. But I cannot get caught up in defending it. I think when I was writing Trainwreck, I listened to a ton of Miley Cyrus. And every time I did it, I was like, this is bad. Processing Miley Cyrus as someone who's, you know, perceived as a girl and subject to misogyny and subject to heteronormativity, that all that all matters. The fact that she specifically chose black culture as, you know, this is how I signify being wild and bad, that also matters. And it matters a lot that she can pick and choose whether she's seen as hypersexual or not. Whereas a black woman in the public eye, like Beyonce, who no matter how much of a soccer mom she is, people are always sort of wanting to see her as this hypersexual, hyper-available body. They can't pick and choose. They can't just have their ratchet phase and then wear white and then be freed from, you know, the association of blackness with hypersexuality. That's not an option. We're always drawn to problematic art because we live in a problematic history. Pretty much anything that you pick up that's older than 10 or 20 years old is going to have things in it that astonish and horrify you. In the late 2000s, my mom gave me this box set of John Hughes movies, and there are so many rape jokes in 16 Candles. Entire plot lines around rape. That's what Anthony Michael Hall does. He gets the popular guy's girlfriend super drunk and sexually assaults her, and the popular guy kind of gives him permission to do it. I could get a piece of ass anytime I want. Shit, I got Carolyn in the bedroom right now, passed out cold. I could violate her 10 different ways if I wanted to. What are you waiting for? I'll let you take Carolyn home. But you gotta make sure she gets home. You can't leave her in some parking lot somewhere, okay? Jake, I'm only a freshman. So? She's so blitz, she won't know the difference. That movie, I had seen it so many times growing up. There's also the Long Duck Dong plotline, which is what it's infamous for, but there's also just tons of rape in it. It had not registered at that time, whether because I was too young or because in the early 90s and late 80s there wasn't a ton of discussion around consent and around how we, you know, frame rape as funny or excusable. I've come to terms with the fact that I can watch Chinatown or Rosemary's Baby. I just have to find a way not to pay for them. I just need to make sure that none of this money is going to Roman Polanski because he's a rapist and I don't want him to be sitting at a European spa drinking fine white wine off of my money. You know, right. I don't want to improve his life in any way. 
If you've ever wanted to see how patriarchy and capitalism intertwine, look no further than the music and entertainment industries, where the most popular, highest-grossing cultural products are often the most problematic. But what does a popular culture look like when it does reflect our politics? Wonder Woman, this was maybe more rowdy than Magic Mike. <laughs> People ah. were yelling and screaming and like... In the movie. In the movie and clapping at this like insane bloody violence because we're like, wow, I've never seen a woman do stunts this cool, you yeah. know, but like definitely people are dying. <laughs> I am Amina Tussauds and I'm the host of Call Your Girlfriend. I was really surprised at how many people brought their children. Some moms thought it was really important that their daughters be there with them. And there was something so just radical about this. One, it's just like seeing women kick ass. <laughs> I'm 32 and I have never seen a movie where two women fight and it's like watching John Wick or whatever. The role that a woman serves in an action movie, you're the eye candy, the one that's like kind of trying to figure out how to do things and you're the less competent one usually with the adventure and fighting skills. This movie completely flips on its head. I was like, okay, I never want to see a movie with men ever again. This movie is fucking awesome. Wonder Woman is a great example of pop culture that matches politics. But what do you do when you see a movie or a TV show that you love, but is problematic? Wonder Woman is problematic in a lot of ways. One, it's a violent movie, which everybody negotiates how they feel about violence. But at its core, it's also a love story between a man and a woman. Her love for this man is what catalyzes to understand some of her powers or whatever. Like, not things I would want to impart on my own daughters if I had daughters. But at the same time, I don't know an action movie that I've ever seen that was not problematic slash had good politics. So why is that so rare to have something that matches our identity politics or at least comes close enough mm -hmm. to our politics in popular culture? Because all of the people who have power to make popular culture are usually white men. And all they do is cater to other people who look like them. This whole debate on whether like a movie with a woman superhero, would anybody see that is kind of the dumbest debate that we can have. It's bad business not to make money for women. I don't think it's some sort of moral imperative like, oh, make movies for your daughters or be a good person. Why wouldn't you make movies for 50% of the population? Women actually watch movies. We have a ton of data and statistics on this. And Anytime there's like this kind of moment, whether it's like bridesmaids, they're always like flashes in the pan because they're like, oh, that was great, but we can't replicate that again. You can't replicate that, but you're going to make a Baywatch movie that nobody asked you for. This is crazy. To me, it's just like speaks to a lack of imagination on the part of people who make movies. And they usually will disguise that with statistics and big data speak. Just say that you do not have that creative chops to think of a world that is not centered around you. There's not really a show or a pop culture thing or whatever that can f check all of your boxes for the stuff that you care about. That's kind of the challenge, right? Sometimes I'll watch something and I'm like, oh, that's women-focused and centric. But I'm also a black woman, so like clearly my identities are multiple. And there's not a ton of like great content like helmed by people of color on on television. All of this to say that I think that like a lot of stuff is problematic, but what do I like right now? I love Atlanta. I like everything that Issa Rae is up to and Ava DuVernay. I love everything Gucci Mane will ever write. Do people ever ask, how do you listen to hip hop and still be a feminist? Yes, people ask me this constantly all the time. That's kind of a racially suspect question as far as I'm concerned. How do you listen to your white people pop culture and still be a feminist? It goes without saying that misogyny in music doesn't just accompany rap music. It's pervasive across all genres. 
Just listen to this Neil Young song about how life is hard, he can't trust women, and thus he needs a maid. I was thinking that maybe I'd get a maid Find a place nearby for her to stay Just someone to keep my house clean Fix my meals and go away I don't feel compelled to educate everybody that I come through. Black women, we do a lot of emotional labor for other people. But... A lot of times, like, those kinds of questions just say so much more about the person than they think that it does, right? And I think it also, everybody's at a different place on their feminist journeys. And everybody has their entry point for, like, what brings you into feminism. God bless whatever that issue is. But if the pressing feminist issue to you is hip-hop is so vile or whatever, then you do not have a complicated and nuanced understanding of the world that we live in. That's very, like, uh, 101. You, your understanding in asking that question is that Hip-hop is the most misogynist form of, of music, which, to be clear, like, hip-hop can be incredibly misogynist. What you need to be asking is that, like, how is misogyny in hip-hop different from misogyny that you hear on the top 40 charts? Some uh, of which sung by women. Yeah, a lot of that. Are you kidding? Like, a lot of that is sung by women. In general, in the Katy Perry, Taylor Swift, you realize that this stuff creeps up all the time. I think about uh, Megan Trainer, for example, and how everybody loved that all about the bass or whatever song. And then she had a song about like her dear husbands or whatever. If you're actually paying close attention to this, this is the most like dastardly, like sick kind of low grade misogyny that we push to people all the time. And so you're like, there are real bodies. And then there are like these kinds of bodies. And here are women who like, all they want to do is get married someday. This is the stuff that is like actually dangerous as far as I'm concerned, because it sounds good. Like she has a great voice. It's just disguised as this very innocent thing. And if your focus on is why men who are wearing baggy pants, who like are the kinds of people that would cross the street for, you think that those are the people that are dangerous, you should really re-examine your entire take on this. The music industry is built on exploiting everybody. And also the more you get to know black people, for example, you, you could ask why hip hop is an art form that we are so invested in, right? And it's because we invented that shit from the ground up and it was, it was an alternative form of music and now is one of the most popular forms of music. But also people will generally tend to deny that there is good poetry and good songwriting and people who are rappers, nobody thinks that they're like super well educated and really well spoken. And actually I'm like, mm, I don't know, man, it's probably harder to be rich homie Kwan than it is to be Megan Trainer. And so, you know, I think that it's, it's taking yourself out of these like really simple models and just stereotypes that you have. You know, so instead of how can you call yourself a, a feminist and like hip hop, it's maybe the question is, what is it that you like about hip hop in the context of your feminism, which a lot of women have a lot of really interesting stories about that. And this doesn't even touch the fact that like a lot of hip hop pioneers were women. Nobody talks about like all of these rappers that have like great foundations and do great charity work. Like Wiz Khalifa does incredible charity work. Especially you know? around education and public education yeah. and making education affordable. Exactly. And just like highlighting those issues. And 2 Chains works and talks so much about uh, incarceration and registers like registers people to vote in the tens of thousands because he was a felon and he knows how like that's affected his life. Gucci Mane just got out of prison, like crazy shit sent him to prison. And now he's on this new like, I'm healthy and I'm whole and I'm happy. And to me, like there's something so beautiful about that where it's like, despite all of the odds that you're given, like you're still able to thrive. 
at the end of the day also, it's like telling stories in the language that you're comfortable in and in the language that you invented and you built. I think that with some art, it's like really easy to separate like the artist from the actual content and to just live a complicated life and say like, hey, I'm a feminist, but also like, I like shaking my booty to hip hop songs. Everybody is free to live their lives like how they want to. I enjoy engaging with culture. I enjoy critiquing it. It's part of having a complicated understanding of things. Sadie and Amina had strong opinions about politics and pop culture, and now I want to hear yours. Do you love problematic popular culture? I would love to hear what you're watching and listening to. So tweet me at popcultpirate or tag me in your posts on Instagram using at popculturepirate. We'll be back here next week with our last episode of season two. I know, if you're sad that we're leaving, let us know. We'd love to come back for season three, but we can't without your support. So hit us up on social media, tag Refinery29 too while you're there. And in the meantime, check out our video channel based on this podcast at facebook.com slash held. You can subscribe to Strong Opinions wherever you get your podcasts. This episode was produced by Sarah Bernard and edited by Carrie Ann Thomas for Refinery29. Special thanks to Kat Moldina for her research help. We recorded with Paul Ruest, and we'll see you back here next Monday. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.